Welcome back, everybody, to the Sick Podcast Recruits Draftcast. We have a very fun show in store for you today. We're going to be delving into the best defenseman draft classes this century. So, looking at 2000 and up, we're going to be talking about which draft class had the best defenseman and could the 2024 draft class surpass the best one? We're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be delving into Rocco's riser of the week as per usual. We have our prospect of the week. And for every Habs fan watching, you know, we got you. We got you with our Habs prospect of the week. So let's get started. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast. Recruits Draft Cast. And with the first overall selection... In the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard. The sickest NHL Draft and Scouting Podcast. It's gonna be sick. Producer Shane here, joined by my fantastic co-host, as per usual, Grant McCag, Rocco Zappia. Fellas, how we doing? Great. How you doing? Can't complain. Back to being fantastic. Eh? You needed that break from me, eh? Uh, <laughs> I'm recharged, and I I, I feel yeah. I feel great. I feel great. Oh, that's Your time's gone. Yeah, it's, it was never there anyways. Uh, I, I burn. I don't tan. But uh, uh, it was very fun. But as I said, I am very glad to be back with you guys. And I think this show is going to be very fun as well. Uh, being a defenseman myself, I played D for 10 for about 10 years, never at a high level. I wasn't very good, but nonetheless, I love talking about defensemen and this draft class in particular is just special, really, really special. And why don't we pull up, uh, your most recent rankings here because you, you, the recruits rankings currently have six defensemen in the top 10. That's big. Right, I was looking at the past draft classes starting from 2000 and up. Most of them had three in the top 10. Now, 2012 is the outlier with eight. Um, they didn't all turn out <laughs> very good, but we know 2012 draft class. But six defensemen in the top nine, actually. So let's let's talk about that before we get to the other draft classes. Uh, why do we think that this one could be the best? Anybody? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, just, I mean, just, it has the high end and, and, and the depth. Really, it has it has both factors that you'd be looking for um, to what would make it a very strong class. You have some very very high end players here, some guys with some extremely high upside, um, and then you also have a few really safe guys who you are, are pretty sure, unless something goes really wrong, that, that they're going to have very very long careers too, uh, and that's part of it too. It's not just the high end, but also the depth that. That gives us reason to, to maybe talk about a bunch of teenagers competing with some of the best defensive classes that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, see- I, we could maybe bring up that uh, we have a um, stat showing the point totals for uh, um, comparing 2000. Okay, here it is. Now, this is uh, over, you know, 68 games in the OHL, 72 games in the WHL, what what they project their point totals to be. And if you'll notice, now this is stacked up against 2008, 
which I think a lot of people consider to be the uh, probably the primo draft class, uh, defense draft class of the of the century so far. And if you look and see, notice that Dickinson, Yakumchuk, and Parekh are yeah. all on pace to score more points than uh, any of the defense. The CHL, you know, the high-end guys that, that went in that draft class, Dowdy, Petrangelo, Bogosian, Delzato, uh, more points than all of them. So just in that regard alone, the offensive up, uh, potential of this draft class is uh, extremely high. And then that's not even getting into the Lev Shunov and Boyum, which is which I threw in at the bottom there. Lev Shunov seventh overall among all defensemen in points per game as a freshman in college, and Boyum second behind a kid named Lane Hudson that we may we, you may have heard of. But I mean, just that group alone is uh, just tells you that uh, the the offensive potential of the of the top end guys in this draft class is uh, equal to any that, uh, that, that we've seen so far this century. That's it. And we, we didn't even mention Anton Siliev, who's a six foot exactly. seven giant. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, this, this particular draft class defenseman wise, and, and you know, this we're, we're only looking at the top talent here because the depth, there's even more, you know, <laughs> Adam Yerichek, like, like you could, you could, keep going here it's it's uh it's very very impressive and it could turn out to be one of the best but you grant you mentioned 2003 2008 if we can bring up 2003 just to give comparison um in that draft class right we, we kind of split up the the tiers here but you you know weber shea weber brent burns dustin bufflin dion Feneff, brent seabrook i mean th- this is an insane draft class and, and you can see there the Norris winners, but 2008 yeah. here, 2008 might be the best one. And, and maybe not for long, but Eric Carlson, Drew Doughty, Roman Yossi, Alex Petrangelo and uh, John. Carlson. I John mean, Carlson. John yeah. Carlson. That's, that is insane. <laughs> that's insane. Pretty, pretty wild. Three, three Norris winners, a guy that's got two Stanley cups, one is captain and John Carlson has been, Second best offensive defenseman after Eric, really, of, of that era, maybe top three. Oh, yeah. Razor, so like, and he's the fifth best of that class. Like, that's if this class somehow ends up better than than that one, that would that'd be something special because that's that that's an all time list. Like, th- four four Hall of Famers there, mm-hmm. easily probably. So. You know. Um, Carlson was, uh, you know, in the voting for Norris. He came yeah. close. Pe- Petrangelo's been, uh, you know, runner up or close to it in in the Norris voting as well. And uh, he's got uh, a ring. He's got a ring. Got right? to, yeah, a couple of rings. rings. He uh, he led the NHL in defense scoring the year with St. Louis that they won the mm-hmm. cup, and arguably could have been the, you know, as good a choice for the Conn Smythe as uh, as O'Reilly that year. Uh, so I mean, uh, but then also the depth. You look at uh, exactly. Keeps you going. know, there's some pretty solid defensemen. Uh, even when you get down to like, you start to get down to the last eight, nineteen, twenty. There, Demers and Borowiecki, Brody, Stone, like all solid uh, careers. You yeah. know, so it's uh, it, it had the quality and the quantity. Uh, 
And um, yeah, I mean, if you look at this year's class, uh, probably a month or two ago, I was thinking, you know, this might end up being the best draft class of uh, a defense draft class of the 2000s so far. Um, since then, I had a I had a good look at it, and you know, there's some guys like Kiva Haru who we've done a deeper dive on, and uh, Henry Muse, and a few guys that were maybe hot, more highly regarded earlier on. That as time's gone along here, I think we've uh, we've seen the warts in their in their games, and they're maybe not as highly touted uh, as we originally thought. So perhaps the depth after the top six guys isn't uh, isn't as good as I thought at one time, and I don't think there's going to be as many guys going the top thirty two as I originally thought uh, in the in the fall. But I mean, there's guys. There's a pile of six three plus right defensemen that could all be, you know, anywhere from threes to sixes on a defense core. Uh, I mean, second pairing right defensemen. There, there might be fifteen of them in this draft class. So mm-hmm. there, there's going to be quality because the t- top six guys, obviously, if they're ranked in their top ten, they're highly regarded. They're, they That's could be all be stars. And then there's quantity as well. There's good depth. So I think this this draft class, uh, the defense draft class, could shape up to be the best of uh, the 2000s so far. And that's – if it ends up being better than 2008, that's going to be quite a – it's going to be a lot of happy teams a few years down the road. (laughs) One thing I like about about this year, and now I'm pretty high on this class. It's tough to say. It's tough to say that they'd ever be better than than 08. And, you know, we, would, we wouldn't even be able to have that discussion for 10 more years sort of thing, right. um, just because of how good 08 was. But the one thing I really do like about this one, especially with the top, those top six guys, they're all just a little bit different. Hmm. They're not, none two of them are, are exactly the same. They're all bringing a slightly different element to the game or or, or variations of, of similar elements, but not quite, not quite, identical sort of thing so i feel like that kind of gives it makes it more interesting because it gives you really something to debate and talk about because because they're so different personal preference i think is gonna is gonna come into play a lot more you hear every year say every, every fan base says this till they're blue in the face oh we just take the best player available take the best player available and then they take the guy that they don't want and they're mad at their team because that's not the best guy in their minds but you know, there's a, there's a lot of nuance to that, and, I, and I'm not sure that's going to be the case as much this year just because it's like, okay, you have – take Sileev and, and Parekh, for example. They couldn't be couldn't be more different, but both, but both have the ability to be so, so elite at what they do and what their game is. But you talk to five different guys, and you'll get five different – answers on where they think they're going to, they're going to end up. Right. I don't know that there's any sort of consensus in, in the ranking amongst these, these top end defensemen. And I've, I've seen every list that exists on the internet and, you know, any single combination of these names, I've, I've seen them in that, in every different order that's, that's even possible. And that I think makes it really cool and really fun to watch. Cause you're going to get to see at the draft, at the draft table, well, the last time we'll ever have a draft table because we're the last time they're doing it in person. But on the draft floor, you're going to get to see exactly what teams are prioritizing what skill sets because each guy is a little bit unique in, in what they bring. 
Mm-hmm. No yeah. doubt about that. And that's that's what makes it even more fun, in my opinion. I no, exactly. That. I love that. It, it's going to be tough to top 2008, though. Mm. You know, when you talk about them being different, like 2008 had Pietrangelo, Delzato, and Scandella. Now, what does what does this draft does this draft have? What what's different in this draft to that one? No Italians, no Italians. At the top. <laughs> so you know, yeah, cue the music. <laughs> well, yeah, so, so there's no way it can be as good. No, uh, that's, there you go. That's what. That's my point exactly. I don't think uh, Rock will ever admit that uh, that it'll be that it's a better draft class in 2008. Well, Celebrini should go first, so. There, there, there is one uh, decent there talent there. We, gotta, we, gotta, we gotta give you guys something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh man, yeah. But you know, there, there are two more draft classes that come to mind that is are worth highlighting, but too soon to deem the best, right? So, 2018 had Rasmus Dahlin, Quinn Hughes, Evan Bouchard, Noah Dobson, Keandre Miller, Sean Dersey, to name a few, right? That that could end up being up there as well. Even 2021 is looking pretty good. I mean, Owen Power, Luke Hughes, Simon Edvinson, Brant Clark, Olin Zellweger, Logan Mayu, JJ Moser, to name a few. It, you know, we've we've been very privileged in terms of, of defenseman draft classes recently. And this year is no different. It could be the best one. So uh, let us know in the comments if you think the 2024 draft class could be the best defenseman draft class ever. There's a very real possibility. Yeah. Right now, I think we're all in, a, in agreement that it's still 2008. But, man, this, yeah. this, one, this one's very exciting. Let's just say that. Um, yeah, this, this draft class hasn't surpassed 2008 yet. No. No. Considering they haven't played a game in the NHL yet. But, exactly, um, exactly. And, That's I mean, potential. even when you were mentioning 2018, you know, your sixth – you got the Sean Dersey. I mean – there better be six defensemen better than Sean Dersey uh, in this draft class. Uh, I, was, I was waiting for you to jump all over that. As soon as you said Sean Dersey, I'm like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I like Sean Dersey, but I mean, you know, a throw in on by the Leafs in a trade. I mean, holy geez. He's doing pretty good this season with. Oh, with he is. He you got to give him his flowers, but. You're right. But, you uh, yeah. but if, you know, Boyum or Levchunov aren't, don't end up being better than. No, John no, Dersey, no. then we've se- severely overestimated this draft class. No, depth-wise, I think this year, <laughs> this year, and that's should, no, should and be. that's no slight to Sean Dersey. He's, mm-hmm. uh, hey, he's he's a better defenseman than you and I uh, ever were. Uh, Shane, no doubt about that. <laughs> no doubt about that. All right, um, all right. So it's time for Rocco's riser of the week. Cue the music. Okay, we got the beat down on the uh, down on the record. There, it was. Uh, it was <laughs> yeah, um, Rocco. This Giver. week you are highlighting Riley Patterson. Talk to us about him. So we got Riley Patterson, center for the Barry Colts, but play, he plays a lot of wing as well. I have him as a center right winger. He played both in the game that I watched. This game's against uh, my hometown team, the Ottawa Sixty Sevens. Uh, he looked quite good against it. So he's a uh, six foot, about one hundred and ninety pounds. Uh, offensive player. It's his first year in the OHL. He played junior A last season uh, with the North York Rangers, put up quite good numbers. 
He's got 23 goals and 51 points in 53 games this year, but 11 of those goals and 25 of those points have come just in the last 16 games. So he's caught fire a bit of late. Um, started slow, and I read a few different articles that maybe suggested he had a little bit of a tougher time adapting to the speed of the OHL game and, and how to find those pockets that he was used to having at the junior A level. So that could explain his slower start, or he could just be on a really good hot streak right now. We're going to have to wait and see, but he has picked it up a lot of late. He's tied for first in OHL rookie scoring right now. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, he played both center and wing in this game. I could see him going either way as a pro. I kind of like him a little more as a winger, but uh, to be determined. He's very speedy and a pretty dangerous offensive player. Uh, his skating is definitely a plus attribute for him, both in terms of his straight line speed as well as his quickness and his ability to get up to speed. Equal parts goal scorer and playmaker, I'd say maybe leaning slightly towards a shooter a little bit. But, I mean, he's pretty balanced in his stats throughout his career at most levels. So he can do it both ways. He seems to make uh, pretty good reads with the puck on when to pass and when to shoot. Doesn't really doesn't really force either too much. Um, but he's got a really, really quick release and a, and a good velocity on his shot. He can beat... He can beat goalies from distance. There's a clip in here where he rings one off the bar at some point that you'll see a really, really quick shot. Um, effort level could be a little bit inconsistent in the games that, that I've seen. Sometimes he's going really hard all over the puck. Sometimes he can cheat defensively a little bit um, looking for a quick strike offensive chance, you know, guilty of throwing a soft poke check or looking to make a tougher pass across the ice rather than just chipping the puck out and playing it safe. So that's something that he's got to work out a little bit, but that's not super uncommon for a more offensive driven player, especially as a teenager. I'd like him to be a little bit more deliberate when he's trying to get the puck out a little harder on those clearing attempts. He can be guilty of giving like little soft clears, um, which gives the defenseman a chance to keep it in. Um, couple turnovers near the defensive blue line that I wasn't crazy about. But again, those are all things that he's kind of looking to me. Anyways, it seems like he's looking to go offense first and just a little bit more attention to detail there. Cause at times it seems a little bit careless. Um, but when he's, when he's on, he's playing, he's playing really well. And on the times when he does get the puck out and he's trying to be a little key with it, it does go the other way and he gets chances. So I can see why he's doing those things, but stuff that won't really fly at the pro level. Um, when he's engaged defensively, he can be quite effective. Uh, his speed helps a lot in the defensive play. I find him better at defending open ice. He defends open ice really well, stays one, can keep up one-on-one with his guys, has a really good stick, which he uses to break up uh, loose pucks. Tougher tougher along the boards for him. Uh, not quite as strong defending along the boards and down low as he is in open ice. Um, but again, I think that's just a little bit more commitment to being a little bit harder and in those dirtier areas. Needs to be a little bit more aware in his decision-making at times. He can sometimes try to force things. And again, I think this just goes back to him being an offensive player um, where he's trying to, to make things happen rather than making the best play that's available. So again, those things can be coached, um, but they are areas to be concerned about. And again, at this point in the draft, we're, we're talking players that do have flaws. so They're not going to be perfect by any means. Um, he does anticipate the play quite well, um, with and without the puck, actually. He gets himself into the right positions to be involved in the play, and he seems to be kind of around the puck 
a lot, even if he's not necessarily coming out with 50-50 battles or getting the pucks out when he should all the time. Tension to detail does need a little bit of work in that sense, but there is some upside here as a scoring line player because he does have a lot of offensive ability. He's got the speed, he's got the skill, he's got the shot, he's got the playmaking ability. So very, 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 very typical scouting report for a teenage high skill offensive player where there's just the details need to be cleaned up and the commitment to the tougher areas of the ice need to be cleaned up a little bit. But with that commitment, and again, maybe he's a little bit later developer because it's his first year in the league. He didn't play major junior last year. So every guy's curve is, is a little bit different. And if he can work out those those little warts in his game that are there, there is a lot to like about the package of of skating and, and puck skills and offensive ability that, that exists. For now, I have... I've got a third round grade on him right now, and I could realistically see him anywhere from the, the late second to early fourth would be would be reasonable. In my mind, there's a pretty big cohort of players in that in that range. And and I think he's got he's got the upside and, and the tools that you, you'd want to take him in the top half of the draft, but he he does have some some warts and flaws that, that are gonna, you know, far from a first round discussion sort of thing. Um but but overall I like this player and um what, what he's able to bring to the table if he can if he can harness it in uh, there's there's definitely a toolbox to work with here with him yeah I, a good point about you know it it being his rookie OHL season like the parts of his game that he needs to work on uh considering that he's an OHL rookie like if you're looking at a lot of kids in their first year they have a lot of the same things that they need to work on right so uh Presumably, two more years of uh, of development in the in the O, and hopefully, I think it, since he's been put on a line with Baudouin, we've seen a real jump in his production in his game too. Big time. And maybe maybe Baudouin's uh, work habits and and consistency and competitiveness are, are rubbing off a bit on him. So it might be a good thing if he spends the next two years playing on a line with a. You know, with with as a competitive a kid as, as Baudouin, it might hopefully it rubs off on him, right, in a good way. And they're and they're close in, in points now too. He's he's Baudouin's got four points up on um up on him now only, and he had quite a quite a big gap. So since he's got on that line, I noticed right when he started like his hot streak sort of thing, his minutes took a jump from about 13, 14 a night, and now he's in that eighteen to twenty range. And since since I took one, he had one big, I think it was a three-point game, one big three-point game, and the next game he got a ton of ice. And since then, he's been just absolutely lights out on fire. And again, I don't want to sound like I was I was ripping the flaws in his game too hard because I do think they're they're common, they're typical, uh, they're they're fixable. Oh, yeah. Um there's nothing about there's nothing about the 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 toolbox um, that's not that's not to like. It's just choose choose to get better at that parts of the game. Uh, and and if you do that, you know you're going to be all right. Well, I mean, it's because there are some questions that he's likely not going to go till the third round. You, you like to have fewer, you know, fewer maybe questions on, uh, you know, his play away from the puck, his competitiveness. Will they will they come? And and because of that, maybe the floor is not as high as uh, a lot of guys that are going to end up being picked in the second round. Yeah, and and that's a. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a point that I wanted to make is the difference between the ce- the ceiling and floor. You know, um, the first rounders are the first rounders, and the second round, you know, teams are really happy if they can get a full time 
NHL player and you see a lot of high floor guys going in that second round. Yeah. Whereas, whereas a guy like Patterson, I, I see the full spectrum for him. I could see him developing into a scoring line player at the NHL level, and I could equally see him not playing in the league at all. So right. there's there's a very big there's a very big discrepancy on to what on to, on to what the ceiling versus the floor is of this player. And to Grant's point, I, th- I think that was the reason because the floor is is essentially you know not non-existent. Um, that keeps him out of the top sixty for me, which is why I could put the third round grade on him. But it wouldn't be. I might be a little surprised, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't think a team was absolutely like batty to to say, okay, this is a package we can work with, and and maybe he go. Maybe he goes towards the end of the second round if he really looks good in the playoffs and he keeps this offensive pace up the rest of the year. You know, there there is a possibility. There's still. There's only 10 games left in the regular season, but there's a lot of hockey to be played still. So he has a chance to, to continue moving up. But based on where he was ranked, most less, including our own for most of the season, he's, he's definitely risen up these last uh, – since really mid-January, he's really been on on particular fire. So, Yeah, that's, that's what happens when you're Rocco's riser of the week. You rise up the ranking. So Riley Patterson, good on him. He's been doing well. Rocco's riser of the week now. On to our prospect of the week. And easier, please to don't, easier to pronounce his name too. Oh uh, yeah, debatable. Uh, don't don't come at me in the comments if I, I screw this up. This is on Grant, okay? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, Alexander Ples, Plesovsky. Let's talk about him. I think I did okay there. <laughs> well, perfect. Yeah, I um I happened to watch. There was a tournament, a U eighteen. Well, they call it a four nations tournament, I guess. That had um, Russia's U18 team, Russia's U20 team, which didn't have all of their top guys like Daniel Boot and uh, Simashev and those guys, uh, uh, Guliyev weren't there, but a lot of them, uh, Chernyshev and a few others were there. Um, I watched that tournament and it was games that have not been put up on Instat, but I happened to catch the games and this kid was on the top line. Now, he's not ranked high in Central Scouting. I think he's 109 on the international list. So it's not somebody, and then Bob didn't have him ranked and nobody had been talking about him. So I hadn't looked, I hadn't noticed him or seen him or scouted him before that I saw him at that tournament. But he was playing on the top line with Surin and really stood out. Now, NHL scouts not like I say haven't been able to look at that tournament because it's not been put up on the on instats but luckily enough I I caught the games of the U18 team and he impressed me so I went back and I had a look and this first uh game that I highlight here with him there he just scored mm-hmm. um he scored the tying goal here very good in front of the net but look at the t- uh, the hands on him to get that, uh, tip it out of the air. And then he went in and he got it, uh, you know, deposited in the net. But this kid's, um, he's six, two and about one seventy four. So there's growth potential there. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna need to put on some weight. Um, wouldn't call him a great skater yet, but again, I think it's, it's, it's mostly strength related. He just needs to get stronger. He's uh, an August birthday which is always intriguing too for these skinny, tall, skinny kids that 
you presume are going to uh, put on some uh, some beef over the next couple of years and get stronger, and then they're they're skating, and their you know their overall game will improve. Um, but in this game against the Russia under twenties, which had Chernyshov on it, and he's he's like a top twenty ranked player. He was excellent. He scored that goal. They ended up upsetting the uh, Russia under-20 team, beating them 2-1, and he was a large part of it. But uh, you'll notice him here uh, in all these highlights. He goes to the net. He uh, plays with some jam. He, like, threw four or five hits in this game and was uh, really impactful. Um, He um, scored that big goal, right, the one that – tied it up he's on the ice at the end of the game but what i like most about this kid is he plays a north american style he's not a typical russian uh draft prospect that uh he already plays a 200 foot game he plays very competitively um and this is with him being a skinny and 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 needing to mature so i think he's only going to become more of a physical presence as he goes on um now, I, I find, uh, and you'll notice in these highlights, that he's a really smart player. He makes smart decisions. He, um, he plays well defensively, all three zones, actually. He loves going to the net, as you just saw in that, uh, that highlight. He, uh, he parks himself right in the crease and is good at deflecting pucks and, and good at staying there and competing with the defenseman to hold his position. He, uh, I think the most impressive thing that I found with him is his motor. He just is always going. And you'll notice in this one segment here, this shift, he's just doesn't stop. He's, uh, so again, that's not typical for a Russian prospect. Usually you're looking more at skill than at the, at the high competitive nature, but this guy never stops moving. He's, uh, he's very competitive. And again, he puts on some weight and even, in, you know, improves his endurance even more. I think he'll be, uh, he, he to me has all of the tools to be an ideal and effective bottom six uh, player at the NHL level. If he, you know, if he comes over, if he develops right and all of the stuff. But for me, um, I see him as a kid that, uh, after the third round, he's likely still going to be on the board because I don't think, I don't think he's uh, he's on the radar. You know, I mean, Bob doesn't have him in his top 100. Uh, Central's got him basically as an undrafted guy at this point. No one has him ranked that I've seen uh, other than us. We've got him now. I put him into the, uh, I put him squarely into the fourth round or perhaps even third. I. I mean, I'd be looking seriously at this kid uh, by the mid-rounds because I think uh, he's got a high floor. So uh, despite the fact that he's Russian, um, I think if he does, you know, if he's a kid that that ends up wanting to play in the NHL, uh, develops properly, there's a there's a really nice package there for a, a upside of a uh, a big uh, physical third line winger that uh that can chip in some points and and be very very physical and uh and and very strong defensively so 
Uh, I like what I've seen from him. Obviously, the national team likes him a lot more. He plays uh, He plays on the first line on the national team. Then he goes back to junior, and he's playing 13 minutes a night. So his stats aren't great. And again, if you didn't get to see him, uh, you know, he's not going to be on, ra- on the radar of a lot of teams, I don't think. So for me, he's uh, a real sleeper. And this – and uh, I'm not calling him the prospect of the week. There's probably prospects that had better weeks, but he's my sleeper of the week. Fair enough. Yeah. He looked, he, he, looked, he looked good there. The motor, the motor really, really stood out. He never – he he never stopped. Like like some some put a little crack in his cereal in the morning, sort of thing. Like he was going, <laughs> he was going going hard every every shift there, and he didn't see he didn't see much like high end offensive ability there. But if you if you if you're big and you play really hard, and if the skating comes, I mean, looks like he's got enough to go out there and bang around and cause havoc and get in the crease and and drive guys bananas in the corners and and that sort of thing. So. And it's too bad. The Russian thing will will the Russian thing obviously will will hurt him because if that's a Canadian or an American kid, you know, if that's someone in North America that you know, if he if he doesn't make the NHL, that you can put him in your American League system for a few years. You, you, you maybe be more inclined to take him because that's the sort of guy with that with that motor you want to bring. You want to inject. You want to inject high motors into your into your prospect system. For for me, I think. The more competitive guys you have, the more guys that will be competitive. And if you're more competitive, you're going to get better. Um, now, it might be a little trickier to have that sort of fallback plan for him because likely if he doesn't make the NHL, he stays at home. Um, but you could do, like, I mean, just based on that, look like a good mid-round sort of mid-to-late guy. Um, if you're big and you go hard, you know, I, I, I have time for that sort of thing. Cause even if you don't make it, you're going to make other prospects in the organization better. Those habits do rub off. There's no shit. This kid's working, working his bag off. We better, we better pick it up too, sort of thing. It's a Parker Kelly effect, right? I mean, he works so hard at Sens dev camp for so many years in a row that so many guys just like, okay, work, work, work. And you know, he ended up developing into it, getting, making an NHL career for himself because of how hard he worked. Um, and is that a, same thing. No, yeah, it's, no, it's it's a it's a great thing. It's a great thing to have. Um, if you have a guy that makes it because he works hard and he wants it, um, that that's a guy that you can find a role for somewhere in the organization. That's it. Well, you know, there's guys. Uh, the Russian national team loves him, obviously, because they had him on the first line in the tournament in November, and and just here now, and he made a lot of plays. So there is some offensive skill there. I think in in large part it's because he's. I really like his hockey sense. What I I studied uh, four games and n- thinks the game very well, anticipates the play, uh, made a lot of nice. Like he probably created three or four other good chances that could have could ended up as goals. So I think uh, it, it what hurts him more than anything is that NHL scouts don't get to see him. You know, I think if he was at the U18s at the end of the year here, he'd be a third line. He'd be a third round pick at the draft all day. That's I see. I, I mean, I I don't know that I like sixty prospects more than this kid right now. I think that he's got uh, everything that you need to uh, to play in the NHL. So, 
It's uh, tough, the fact that he's Russian and the fact that he's not being exposed is going to hurt him as far as being drafted. But potential wise, floor wise, I think it's 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 quite high. So that's why that's why he's a sleeper and that's why he's 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 now on our list. And I don't know, we'll see how he plays the rest of the year. But you know, I, I, don't be shocked if he doesn't even get picked in the draft. You know, hmm. and maybe we never hear this guy's name again. Maybe, but. I, I like what I see, so got to go with that. By that, and uh, for me, I think late, he's probably there late in the draft, and I think he'd be a great pick uh, for a team because once you get fifth round on, you're just taking projects, you know. Mm-hmm. So to me, he'd be a, he'd be a fantastic pick anywhere from that point on. It's tough. It's tough to especially. Like with the Russians now, it's so hard because the team's got seven picks only, right? And there's going to be a lot of guys that a lot of scouts from a lot of different areas like. And it's hard to invest one out of seven into a player that you've never seen live, that you've only seen on video. That would be hard to do for a team. Now, the flip side to that is because of that, you can probably get some good value on Russian players if you are confident enough to take them based off what you see on video. Because like you said, this is a guy who maybe based on his skill set alone belongs in the third round or the middle part of the draft, but equally may not even end up getting picked at all because of certain factors that he has no control over. You know what I mean? So there's two sides to it because you don't, it's it's really tough to gamble a high pick on on someone you've never seen live. But, but again, if everyone's passing on the guys just for that reason, then there's Russia produces players that they they produce players. So there's going to be Russians who from this draft who play in the NHL. So if you see one that you think might be it and you can get them late, why not? Well, like, let's not uh, discount Russian scouts too altogether here. Obviously, I I mean, it depends, it depends on the, uh, on the organization, but, you know, I, I mean, most teams or all of them still have Russian scouts. And, yeah. uh, you know, if they trust that guy, like, you have to listen to your regional guys, yeah. right? I mean, there's guys picked every year. A lot of teams pick players that the head scout never saw. Um, they, you know, the the regional guys banging the table on them and says, hey, this guy, you know, Typically, they really gotta like them if the if no one else has seen them or like like if the head scout hasn't seen them. But there's picks every year, or just about every team uh, that it's you gotta. That's why you have regional scouts because you gotta trust that they're they know what they're talking about. And uh, you know you if uh, there's nobody that you the head scout or the the top crossover scout is absolutely says we got to have him then you'll go with the you know the regional guy will be saying look man we you know we really should be picking this guy you know and okay we'll we'll take him so it, it a lot will be dependent on you know how how much input the russian scouts have with with an organization and if if there's a i mean if there's a couple of russian scouts that see the same thing I do and agree with what I do, they're going to be, there should be a team or two that will have the Russian, the regional guy saying, Hey, you know, this guy. And I mean, 
scouting has changed a bit since uh, the pandemic. There's more reliance on on uh, video scouting. Um, Detroit took uh, Buchelnikov a couple years ago without seeing him. Uh, uh, you know, only scouting him on video in the second round. I mean, I put up a highlight video that just knock your socks off. I mean, and see how you could pass on him in the second round, but. If it wasn't Detroit taking him and Stevie Y with his uh, risky Russian picks, like remember when everyone said, "Oh, what's he doing taking Kucherov?" We're not taking. No one's taking Russians in the top two rounds. What's he doing taking a Russian goalie in the top twenty? Vasilevsky. Wow, that takes a lot of guts. Well, worked out okay. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't you know. <laughs> not bad. So, not bad. Here he I, is again saying, I, hey. He was, he was told he was told he was crazy for taking cider that high, too. I know he's not Russian, but oh well, yeah. I had him top eight, so that didn't I didn't think it was crazy at all. But yeah, I mean a lot of public lists had cider 15 to 20 or something like that. But yeah, a lot of NHL teams. The public perception was that he was crazy to take cider at eight, but yeah. no NHL scouts that I hmm. knew thought that that was a crazy pick a lot of them had him top 10 yeah and now we see that he was right um listen if if any nhl scouts are watching this show they might be putting alexander plasovsky on their draft watch list now uh so maybe maybe a steal for your team you're welcome uh (laughs) follow along the the recruits draft cast for more potential steals um you know, I mean, right. another reason to subscribe. Why? How about that? How about that? Uh, so Alexander Plasovsky is our sleeper of the week. Great pick there, Grant. Rocco, we thank you for your time and your analysis as always. We'll see you next week, my friend. Take care. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. All right. So we are now on to our Habs prospect of the week. This player, um, the last name might be familiar, but uh, it's going to get even more familiar. Florian Jackai has been on a tear recently. Talk to us about him, Grant. Well, you know, I mean, it, once again, it was it was difficult to pick a guy because, mm-hmm. you know, you could have picked back, you could have picked a few guys, but I decided to go with the flow. Um, flow, you get it? Go Florian, with the flow, I love Jacka. it. Anyway, um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, in a word, he's been on a tear. He has 12 mm-hmm. goals in his last 15 games. Hello. If you can believe that. This is for a guy that was picked because he was going to be tough, that could fight fourth yeah. fourth line, uh, you know, power forward type uh, winger that uh, can play an energy role. But, I mean, guys told me last year, even though his point totals were lousy, that there's, there's a lot more skill there than mm-hmm. maybe the point totals were telling us. And I think we're starting to see that. Uh, like he's already doubled his uh, his goal total and his point total from last year, which is uh, quite impressive. But um, just like just like his brother, the the deputy sheriff here is a late bloomer, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, you can see by these highlights, he's got a good shot. He he can make plays. He can pass the puck. Um, buries the biscuit. Uh, his skating isn't that bad. Like you see him go around this guy here, nice dipsy doodle, and then stick stick her in there with a backhand. So he's uh, he is not lacking skill. Just like mm-hmm. just like Arbor, um, 
he just keeps improving his game. And, uh, hey, doesn't matter when you develop, as long as you develop. And exactly. he is developing um, at a nice pace. Got, got to give him uh, kudos for for picking up his uh, scoring pace and, uh, you know, uh, showing that he's more than just a uh, big, tough, uh, fourth-line forward type. This Ultimately, if the improvement keeps going the next, over the next couple of years, he might even be, you know, he might even find a middle line spot somewhere because he brings, he brings size and grit, which yeah. the Canadians could use uh, in their top nine. Yeah. In addition to, uh, you know, it, it, not just having guys on the fourth line, cause you want them to play a fair bit. Right. So, um, I mean, he's been a key part of the franchise going going for its second OHL title in the last three years, and just so happened that his brother was on the uh, on the OHL champion two years ago. Which is, so it's kind of a cool story, you know that 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 the Jack Eyes are uh, are taking. Uh, well, it, it wasn't in Bradford, obviously. It was in Hamilton at at the time with with uh, with Arbor, but. Uh, the Bulldogs franchise, anyways, um, you know, is uh, is getting a full dose of Jack Eye over the last three years, and uh, uh, been really impressed with him, with his progress. Just like his brother, he's uh, he's coming along late, and just keeps improving. And uh, you know, uh, considering that he was picked a year older than most prospects last year. You wanted to see that jump this year. Like he need to be an above average OHLer this year, and yeah. he's clearly he, he clearly is that. I mean, he's top line center on on a first place team, right? That's yeah, pretty man. impressive uh, jump for him, considering two years ago he wasn't even in the OHL. So I think uh, he he will likely go to Laval next year. Mm -hmm. uh you know i mean i didn't i thought maybe you'd see him as an overage considering that he's only gonna haven't played two years in ohl after this year but he's got the size i think his skill has improved enough he's certainly tough enough to handle the ahl next year so from a physical standpoint he might be ready to play at the ahl level next year so wouldn't surprise me if he made if he made Laval out of camp, but there's going to be a bunch. Like there's going to be a lot of good young talent in Laval next year, and it's not going to be easy uh, to crack the team. And if he comes back as an overager, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Going into the year, I I figured, oh, you'll see him play two more years in the OHL because he because last year was his first year, but. Not so sure about that now. He might, he might be somebody, in part because of that type of player, might be someone that Laval would like because there's a lot of going to be a lot of skill there, and you know it's going to be a young team. They'll need some guys to help police and maybe protect some of the other guys. Uh, for reasons such as that, there might be a spot for him just needing him needing that type of player in the lineup so uh also i guess uh depending on laval 
presuming that they're going to make the playoffs. And if they go on a decent run, and if Bradford isn't, doesn't go to the Memorial Cup, their season will end because Laval, the playoffs start later in the AHL than they do in junior hockey. So maybe he gets a look in Laval before the end of the year too. That's Again, that's not something that I would have predicted at the start of the year. But the, just like Arbor, uh, the uh, improvement curve is just sky high. So uh, who knows? He might be. And again, he plays a style of game that you kind of covet in the playoff. Tough sure. playoff series. So sure. he might be someone that you see at Laval before the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's it's looking like great value for a fourth, fourth rounder oh, right now. That's yeah. Yeah, I remember when when the draft happened. A lot of people were kind of mad because ah, he just just got picked because of his last name, right? It, it's all that. <laughs> no, no, like this this is a genuinely good player. And I remember in in the Habs draft video that they posted, uh, I, I think it was Nick Bobrov called him a unicorn. Unicorn, yeah. So Nick Nick calls. Uh, there's always two or three guys that he calls unicorns, but <laughs> there's more unicorns in the world than you know. Then Nick, well, Nick obviously knows there's, there's a lot more unicorns out there than than people are aware of. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Found, no, he, he might have found one. Yeah, he might have found one there. He might actually, uh, yeah, be exactly. a unicorn. So, um, so yeah, very no, I mean, for fourth round, fourth round pick. All you very can, you know, uh, if he can play a bottom line role in the NHL. Excellent. You, uh, that's mm. what you want out of a fourth round pick at, at best. Usually, third rounders looking really good too. Fowler, right? So, um, you know the uh, the top guys get uh, uh, Reinbacher. Obviously, is the is the key. But yeah, um, yeah. At, at one point, you wondered, well, they might only get one NHLer out of this draft class, maybe two, but. I like his floor. Like we've been talking about floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I could see him playing a fourth line role in the NHL all day. He's got he's got all of the facets that you want in a in a uh, a fourth line player or maybe a third line player. So mm-hmm. I, I I think he's uh, <clears throat> who knows. Like I I know Tony of I has had the conversations a few times about Arbor moving. To the wing, can you imagine those two? You know, Ash Brothers, those yeah. two and Pizzetta on a line on a line oh, together. Man. Just send yeah. them out there and just crash, yeah. bang. They'd lead the league in hits every friggin' game. So, just for uh, morbid curiosity, I'd love to see it. I just yeah. <laughs> just once, at least once, just make it happen. Uh, yeah. That'd be so fun. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, that's it. Florin Jacki, uh, very exciting stuff. And and again, this draft class, it's it's looking better by the day. I mean, Evgeny Volokin. People might not know that name, but he's in the KHL right now. He's a goaltender. Phenomenal stats, like just another shutout. Very very good stats. Bogdan Knishkov, another defenseman. Right again, right. playing fantastic. So uh, th- that twenty twenty three draft class for the Habs is looking better and better. Florin yeah. Jacki being a part of that. Yeah, Volokin, Volokin's funny. Um, he, I, I went and looked at some games because, like, he, like you said, like you, you look at the stats and it's like, wow. Nuts. Uh, I, I dig, dug a little deeper into it. That league is 
phenomenally low scoring. Mm. And that team, my goodness, they don't give up much. Like I was trying to get highlights, save highlights, and I must have went through four games and I was still waiting for a big save from them. <laughs> Everything was from the outside and, you know, nothing in the in the slot, nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, geez, I could be here for five hours trying to get it together a video of great saves that he makes. So, you know, it, the jury's out on him as far as I don't know how good he is, to be honest That's with good. you, because his yeah. the team defense, that Mamonte Rugri there, they just – They've, you know, they, they got a brick wall in front in front of them. So, uh, but you you can't argue with the stats. They're they're really good. Uh, now the other kid, they had two goalies that uh, were both drafted. They have Philly guy who started the year with them, but his save percentage in the eight games that he played was nine nine fifty. Hmm. Even better. So that just tells you just how good they are defensively, right? Yeah. So. So we'll reserve it. You know, we won't get overly excited about him yet, but, I mean, he picked up another shutout this week, and he doesn't let in many goals, so that that's a start, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's the key to having a good goalie prospect is he doesn't let in goals. So uh, we'll see how he develops, but certainly from a uh, just on the surface looking at the stats, you, for a late-round pick again, you – you can't Fantastic. argue with it. He looks like he was a dandy pick too. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that'll about wrap it up for us this week. Uh, let us know in the comments again, if you think this draft class could be the best defenseman draft class of all time. Jury's still out and we're going to have to wait about 10 years to find out, but it's fun to speculate and we know it's going to be a good one anyways. So uh, we'd love to hear your yeah, comments about it and who you think the best defenseman will be to come out of this draft class. That I'm excited to hear about. Um, as always, we invite you to subscribe, leave us a like, help us support the channel, and uh, go check out recruits.ca, right? There are player profiles with deeper analysis there and and scout com comments, right, Grant? I mean, you can talk talk a bit about that uh, yeah. more in detail, maybe. Oh, just uh, I wanted to correct you about the uh, of all time, uh, the defense class, like, Maybe, I know yeah, you're I know. young, I know you're a young lad, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there was uh, the NHL did exist before the turn of the century, and yeah. there were some there were some pretty good draft classes, defense draft classes. But we did have a look at it from 2000 on. That's it. No, we didn't look before. We didn't. Look no, before. you know, I, and I don't know for sure, but I, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. off the top of my head, uh, you know, there there were some pretty good. There were a few good draft classes in the seventies oh, and eighties, yeah. and you know the Brian Leach class, and 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 so forth. But yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, I've been following the draft since uh, night the seventies, mm -hmm. and not many spring to mind that ha have a more promising group of defensemen than this one. So, I'm really uh, excited about it. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you, folks, for tuning in. Thank you to Rocco Zappia. Thank you to Grant McCagg. We'll see you next week. Take care. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast Recruits Draftcast on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.